Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Have you ever grown so weary? of your own personal sickness, or maybe your own personal sin, that you've taken the time and you've taken the efforts just to so fully press into the Lord, press past the crowds, press past the needs and the busyness of the world, and reach out to Jesus with the need that's in your life. Man might offer a multitude of options, but only Jesus can give you that final and true answer. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you realize, you know what? I just need to shut the TV off. I need to shut the radio off. I need to shut the world out. What would you do if you only had one chance to get your life back after years of hardship, disease, and ostracism? Most of us would answer with just two words, almost anything. In today's message, Pastor David teaches us that a desperate woman ignored cultural norms and disobeyed rabbinical law in order to push through a crowd to reach out and touch the Lord's garment. With that bold act of faith, Jesus' power was unleashed, and she was restored to full health. Now here's Pastor David as he continues his message entitled, A Desperate Faith. Do not go to Disneyland the day after Christmas. We did that once. I'll never do it again. And everybody that I can talk to, I'll, I'll encourage you, don't go the day after Christmas. You talk about crowds. You talk about a press of people everywhere that you go to be able to get to the ride that you wait for two hours to get into. And that's just the little kid rides. <laughs> Forget about the big ones. There were so many people there that they actually closed the entrance down at noon. No one else was allowed to go into Disneyland that day because there were so many people there. That's just in that place. I can imagine that for Jesus here, this was a continual process everywhere that he went, these multitudes of people. And in the midst of all this jostling, all this crowding, a woman comes from behind and touches the border of his garment. Somehow she was able to press through all of these crowds. She was able to press through the needs and the busyness of all the world around her and all the multitude of people around her. And she was able to reach out in her need and touch Jesus. And she had a very, very great need within her life. Luke, the physician that we're reading here, Luke tells us that the woman had a flow of blood for 12 years. She had spent all of her livelihood on physicians and could not be healed by any. Ladies, you understand, again, all that's going on with her for 12 years. Mark tells us in his gospel record, she had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had, and she was no better. As a matter of fact, she continued to grow worse. This was a desperate woman. In her time, and particularly in her culture, her situation had to be absolutely beyond comprehension for her. 
Was she someone's wife? Do you realize that if she was someone's wife because she was unclean, she was also unable to have relations with her husband for 12 years because of that situation? Was she someone's mom? Do you realize and understand she wasn't able to take care of her family in the way that she knew that she could and would have because she's not able to get out into the marketplace with the normal people because she's unclean. And if anybody touched her, they would be unclean. For 12 years, this woman has lived with this. She was ceremonially, religiously unclean and in her culture, that impacted everything about her for 12 years years. She couldn't have attended synagogue. She couldn't have gone to any community festivities or celebrations at all for 12 years. According to the gospel accounts, she had done everything that she could think of and possibly some unthinkable things to find a cure for this curse that was on her life. She sought answers even, I believe, in the religious world. And at that time and at that culture, she sought answers in the religious world. She subjected herself to to some pretty strange stuff, uh, stuff that you and I would look at and say, man, that's superstition. Man, that that borders literally on, on witchcraft. The rabbinical answer of that day, according to authorities that are able to historically go back and look, for them to deal with these kinds of curses... Their cure was was very strange, to say the least. One of the things that a rabbi would possibly tell her with her particular personal situation, she'd need to carry around the ashes of an ostrich egg in a linen rag in the summer and a cotton rag in the winter. Does that make any sense? And you do realize she's not carrying it around in her purse. Ashes of an ostrich egg, either in a linen cloth in the summer or a cotton cloth in the winter. Another one might come up with another idea. Uh, another thing that they would do is you, you need to carry the barley corn, catch this, that you've dug out of the dung of a white female donkey. Makes perfectly good sense to me. Do you realize how stupid that really is? And how really uh, superstition, witchcraft even, for that. And the embarrassment for this woman to do this kind of... Can anybody give me chapter and verse on either one of those cures? No, not at all. Not at all. How foolish religion is when it's founded and based on something other than the solid teaching of God's word. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen and I've heard stuff done in the name of religion, in the name of Christianity, that I stand back and I say, are you kidding me? And people fall for these things. They open themselves up to, again, the foolishness of man. Even in the secular world, nothing was working, yet many were willing to take her money. They'd, they'd, they'd take whatever money she had. Oh, hey, I think I can figure out a cure for you. How much money you got left? She had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all of her livelihood on physicians, the word tells us. All that she had and was no better, and as a matter of fact, she grew worse. Gang, to me, this speaks of the foolishness of man in how to deal with the problems of man. 
There's, there's a lot of issues within our culture that need to be dealt with in some drastic ways. There's absolutely no doubt about it. But too often, man thinks that if we just pour money into the issue, or, or if we just better educate the populace, then these problems will go away. No, they won't. We'll just have better educated fools, better educated thieves and robbers. And that doesn't change lives. There's only one thing that changes lives, and that's the power of Jesus Christ in lives. Lives that are lost, lives that are desperate need the power of Christ. They need a supernatural move of the hand of God in their lives. Have you ever grown so weary of your own personal sickness or maybe your own personal sin that you've taken the time and you've taken the efforts just to so fully press into the Lord Press past the crowds. Press past the needs and the busyness of the world and reach out to Jesus with the need that's in your life. Man might offer a multitude of options, but only Jesus can give you that final and true answer. Have you ever been in a situation in your life where you realize, you know what? I just need to shut the TV off. I need to shut the radio off. I need to shut the world out. I need to come into the presence of God and in the presence of God, cry out those prayers of desperation. Because God, I'm not making it on my own. I'm not making the right decisions in my, in my own life. Things coming into me, I, I, I can't deal with them. I can't handle them. Lord, I'm about to break. I'm about to crack. And Lord, if you don't come in with the supernatural work of your hand, Lord, I, I, I just don't know. I'm in such a desperate situation. Verse 44 tells us that this woman came from behind and she touched the border or the hem of his garment. And immediately her flow of blood stopped. Now, how did she know that immediately the flow of blood stopped? Uh, I believe that she just probably felt it physically, that there was something physically that, that happened to her. And in the midst of her faith, in the midst of the situation, she knew, man, that, that's, that's when it happened. She probably checked it out later, no doubt, but she knew, man, it was, it was then. It was then when I touched him. That's when I know that it took place. She touched the hem of his garment. And she was healed. And to you and me in our Western non-Jewish culture, we figure she touched the edge of his shirt or his coat or a portion of his shirt. And we, we figure that's just a small portion of the story. Didn't, didn't she just come and touch Jesus and then she was healed? No, there's actually a lot that we miss in our Western 21st century Gentile world and what's going on here. If you'll bear with me just a moment, you need to understand that for the Jew of that day, they wore a garment called the talit, the Talit was, was a, a Jewish garment, and it was a covering that they would wear. Sometimes they would wear it on the outside, but many times uh, they, they would wear it actually underneath their clothes. But from that garment, uh, whether it be the robe or however, uh, if they were wearing a robe, they would probably wear it on the outside because on that tallit there on each of the four corners, there was a little tassel. There was a, a string of threads that would come down. They were called the tzitzit. Okay, you, you can look that up later. T-Z-I-T-Z-I-Y-O-T, uh, the tzitzit. Those little four fringes, one on each corner, 
they were placed there as a reminder for the Jewish men of the word of God and of the power of God. If you go over to Israel today, or even in a Jewish community, you can see Jewish men under their jackets. They'll have these four little tassels that are hanging out. All of this comes actually biblically from Numbers chapter 15. In Numbers chapter 15, we read that the Lord said to Moses, speak to the Israelites and say to them, Throughout the generations to come, you're to make tassels on the corners of your garments with a blue cord in each tassel. You will have these tassels to look at and so will remember all of the commands of the Lord that you may obey them and not prostitute yourself by coming after the lust or by going after the lust of your own hearts and eyes. Then you will remember to obey all my commands and will be consecrated to your God. I am the Lord, your God. That's Numbers chapter 15, beginning of verse 37 and on. You can take a look at that later. Now, Hold on and stay with me here as we're looking at this because it really does, I think, adds a, adds, adds a twist and, and actually a real beauty to what's going on on this day in this woman's life. So you have the Jewish man and I believe Jesus with a, either being a prayer shawl that's around him with these four tassels or on him in some way. These zitzits that are tied on the four corners These tassels were there to remind each Jewish man of their responsibility to fulfill God's commands. As a matter of fact, we find that these tassels are tied in 613 knots. And so what is the significance of that? It's the 613 laws of God's word from the Old Testament. 365 prohibitions, thou shalt nots. And then 248 affirmations, thou shalt. And so with each time that they would look at these tassels, it would be a reminder. Some believers, I don't know, I I haven't looked today, some believers wear a cross as a necklace or maybe a lapel pin. Why do we do that? Because it's a beautiful piece of jewelry? No, why do we do that? As as a reminder of what Christ has done for us. We, We put crosses in our buildings. Some might have crosses in our homes. You might have crosses in other places. Why do we do that? It's a reminder of what Christ has done for us. Well, in the same way, those tassels on the garments, those fringes on the edge of that garment were for that same thing. So now we come back to this woman there on the shores of Galilee, an unclean individual. She did the unthinkable. She pressed into that crowd, which she shouldn't have been touching. She shouldn't have been there to begin with, but it was a desperate time in her life. She was willing and desiring to do a desperate thing, trying not to be discovered by the people who knew who she was, who knew that she was unclean, because again, the the penalty for that was she could have, uh, at best, be kicked out of the community, but at worst, she could have been stoned because she was unclean and she was forcing herself on others. Well, she comes and she reaches out and she touches what the word says was the hem of his garment, this tzitzit, this fringe, this tassel, I believe, coming down. She was immediately made whole, immediately made whole. Jesus said, who touched me? And everybody denied it, including this woman. I believe that this woman was sinking back into the crowd as quickly as she possibly could. Who touched me, Jesus said. And Peter and those with him, why Peter always gets blamed, I don't know, but Peter and those with him says, this is master, the, the multitudes throng and they press you and, and you're asking who touched you? But Jesus says, Peter, you don't understand. Somebody touched me. I perceive power 
going out from me. Now, even, even that, I, I don't understand all of that. I don't understand, again, how God in human flesh, 100% God, 100% human, that power goes out of him and he perceives that. That is just like so amazingly cool to me. When I think about that, the might and the majesty of who he is and, and he can perceive when power has gone out from him. It also speaks to me about the fact that ministry is exhausting sometimes because it does take, it does drain. We, we read many times where, where Jesus is uh, he's, he's either sleeping or he's tired, he sits, he's thirsty, he's hungry. There's, there's a, that physical part of the God-man that's there. And he says, I perceived power going out from me. And when this woman saw that she wasn't hidden, she came trembling and fell down before him. Earlier, we saw Jairus coming and falling down before Christ. I believe that was falling down in, in, in an act of worship before Christ. I believe this woman came down and fell down in an act of crying out for mercy. She knew that she was unclean, and she touched him. Who touched me? It was that unclean woman that did it. Yeah, I believe that there was fear, but at the same time, in the midst of that fear, she believed that she was healed. She, she received that, I believe, in her life. She came trembling, fell down before him, and she declared to him in the presence of all the people, gets this, she declared to him in the presence of all the people the reason she had touched him and how she was healed immediately. She had to tell everybody around there what's been going on in her life for 12 years. A very personal ailment. And so now she's saying, the reason I did this, the reason I did this is because for 12 years, I've suffered with this ailment. I had to do something. I was desperate. And so I touched him. And yet, now I'm healed. And Jesus said to her, verse 48, Daughter, be of good cheer. Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Interesting when we look at this. Again, the boldness of this woman to to break through all of this crowd, to, to work her way through, to be able to get right close to Jesus and to be able to reach out and touch that fringe of his garment. She had nothing to lose. She had heard that the Messiah could heal and she sought after. She had faith in what Jesus could do in her life. And that fringe of that garment became for her literally a touch point that says, man, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Let me ask you this. Is there something supernatural or miraculous about that piece of cloth? No. The cloth has no supernatural powers. But her belief in Christ and in touching that cloth made a difference in her life. You see, when we look at situations like this, we wonder, well, why and how? A piece of cloth, really? Just touching the hem of his garment? Jesus healed in a lot of different ways, didn't he? We speak of how he healed the blind, and some uh, he, he healed with one touch, and some he healed with two touches. Remember, he touched the man. He said, well, what do you see? Well, I see uh, men like trees walking. And Jesus touched him a second time. He said, oh, now I can see clearly. So there's the one touch, I'm done. Two touch, I'm done. Then there's the spit in the eye uh, touch. And, you know, not everybody volunteers for that one. But, uh, you know, he made a little spittle on mud, and they put it on the guy's eye and said, go and heal yourself. So... You know, so we make denominations out of that. You know, we got the one-touch denomination, the two-touch denomination, and the spit-in-the-eye denomination. I'm not sure which one that is, but 
Jesus isn't confined to our limitations. The work and the power of God isn't confined to our understanding. He is more than able to do what he desires to do at any point and at any time in anyone's life. As a matter of fact, we read in another passage how when Jesus came to the the town of Gennesaret, Again, along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, people heard that Jesus was coming, and the men of the town recognized Jesus. They sent out word. They, they brought all these people, all the sick to him. And the Bible simply tells us in Mark chapter 6, says, wherever he, wherever he entered into villages here in that area, cities or in the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. As many or all who touched him? I don't know. I think we need to look at that in the context. Uh, What about the crowds? What about the pushing and the shoving? What about those with with the lack of belief? Remember, the Pharisees were there too. And they they would follow along with Jesus and they would listen uh, to every word that he said in order to be able to catch him in some way that they could bring charges against him. There were some without any faith at all. No, they were the ones that just came and said, hey, I just want your free lunch program. That's all I want. I don't want any commitment in my uh, life. But there were a multitude of people there that were desperate and they were needing that touch. And those that were, I believe, those were the ones that were healed. People aren't healed simply by touching the fringes of Jesus' garment in a crowd. They were healed when their faith preceded that touch. When by faith they touched the power of God and the one who could heal their infirmities. It was their point of contact to literally release their faith to receive a touch from the Lord. Sometimes in our lives, we just need somebody, man, would you pray with me? And for somebody to come and lay hands on them and to pray with them. The word of God says, hey, are there any sick among you? Let them call the elders of the church. Let them anoint them with oil. Is there anything magic in that oil? No, but it is a touch point. It is a point, again, in faith of believing, man, this is what the word of God says, so we're gonna fulfill the word of God. Do we need oil every time that we pray for someone who's sick? No, because it's in the prayer of faith that God works and moves. Listen to some other crazy things of how God heals And I do believe that God heals, by the way. I believe that he heals in supernatural ways. In Acts chapter 5, we read, they they brought the sick out into the streets. They laid them on the beds and the couches. That at least, catch this, the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on them. And as a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities of Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, they were all healed by the shadow of Peter. That just doesn't make sense to me. But I'm not God. (laughs) And the limitation of my mind is such that God does some absolutely crazy things. But he's God. In another place in the book of Acts, chapter 19, now God worked unusual, did you catch that, unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even his handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out from them. Are you kidding me? 
Uh, his, his apron that he wrapped around him while he was working or his, his handkerchief that he wiped his brow as he was working. And they got those and says, hey, my brother is sick and I'm going to bring this over to him. He's over in the next city over. And, the, and in faith, they received that. And in faith, God healed him. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God richly bless you.